Right? So this niyyah is important. And yesterday I discussed with our brothers at the previous venue how Islam concentrates always on substance and not shallowness, on character and not personality. That Islam won't judge us based on the external salah that we read. It will judge us based on the intention present when that salah was observed. We, unfortunately, given the world that we live in, we've been conditioned to follow personalities. And we've been desensitized from the concept of character. If someone reads salah, immediately we judge them. And yes, I mean, our job is to judge based on the apparent. Because we don't know the hidden. We don't know the hidden. But even when it comes to, for example, getting testimony about a person, for example, who proposes to our daughter. Right? Sometimes we lack diligence with regards to truly understanding who they are. We judge them only, we are quick to judge them based on what we know of them and not who they really are. We don't take the extra measures to try and find out the character of the person. The character of the person. Right? The person behind what we see or who we see. And that's why Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu, he taught the ummah that knowing a person happens when you travel with them. Knowing a person happens when you stay with them. Knowing a person happens when you trade with them. Because when you trade with a person, his true character somewhere along the line is going to come out. What he's hiding is going to show. There might be a contingency in the deal, you'll see the character come out. When you live with somebody, they can't keep on putting that show, that character. When you spend a long time with them, somewhere along the line, some word is going to come out, some reaction is going to come out, which is from the character that is going to surface. And the reality of this person will be known. The reality of this person will be known. Right? So in a nutshell, the sharia is always, or, or nurtures us, and sensitizes us towards character, towards being substantial and not shallow. And this is why, coming back to this niyyah again, many times a person asks that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنَّ الصَّلَاةَ تَنْهَا عَنِ الْفَحْشَاءِ وَالْمُنْكَرِ That salah puts an end to fahsha and munkar, to that which is disliked, and that which is immoral. Why is it that we see people who are constantly praying, they constantly pray, but they knee deep in riba? How is this possible? How is it possible? Allah said, that salah puts an end to what Allah dislikes. So how is it that they pray, but they are knee deep in that which Allah dislikes? Remember we said there's no contradiction. There's no contradiction here. The issue is the niyyah. The issue is the character of the person. That it is possible, and we don't judge. That's why I'm saying it is possible, choosing my words appropriately. It shouldn't be that now we know someone who reads salah, and they have bad character, so we go to them and, and say what I'm saying today. I'm saying it could be possible. Allah knows best. It could be possible that they are only worshipping Allah with their bodies, not with their niyat, not with their character, not with their heart and intentions. That the body is doing takbiratul ihram, not the heart. The body is observing the ruku', not the heart. The body is observing the sujood, not the heart. The body is observing the tashahud, not the heart. It was bodily worship of Allah and not soulful worship of Allah. You see? And we are not bodies alone. We are bodies and souls. 
And the sharia as we're discussing now in the remit of our discussion surrounding the niyyah has clearly taught us that what is more important is the soul. If the soul is not being fed, this is a possibility. Why? A person can observe the salah but be knee deep in riba without feeling any regret, without feeling an urgency to get out of it. Some people, it's just they are victim of circumstance. And they're trying their best to get out of it. May Allah bless them and forgive them and open a door for them. Ameen. And like this, many people ask that how is it that we fast the entire Ramadan? The whole of Ramadan, we fast. And on the day of Eid, Ramadan we were fasting. At night we were in Salah, we were reading Quran. On the day of Eid, the Muslims are celebrating Eid in a way totally contradictory to the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa They drive their cars with loud music affecting the neighbors, affecting the neighborhood for example in some societies. Right? And they disturb society. That sometimes the non-Muslims have to leave their homes and cities on the day of Eid. Go to another place and come back at night to avoid the harms that some of those who quote-unquote celebrate Eid are causing in those societies. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us. So the question is, how? How can someone fast Ramadan and stand up at night in salah and on the first day drown in haram? How is this possible? And the answer to that question is the same. That the month of Ramadan was spent without niyyah, without character. The heart wasn't present. The body fasted, but the soul didn't. Allahu Akbar. I mean, understand this, my dear brothers and fathers. That from the wisdoms of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that to feed the soul, the body has to starve. Subhanallah. Imagine that when the body is starving, the soul is being fed. Absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. Because this soul has an attachment to the hereafter. It's this body that's housing it and keeping it where? In this dunya. By the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the more we detach ourselves from this dunya, the more we become closer to the akhirah. And the less we are attached to the akhirah, the closer we are to the dunya. This is how it works. This is how it works. Have you not seen how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala described those before us? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about those before us that uh, Allah says in His book, Allah says, وَلَا يَكُونُوا كَالَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْكِتَابَ مِن قَبْلِ فَطَالَ عَلَيْهِمُ الْأَمَدِ فَقَسَتْ قُلُوبُهُمْ وَكَثِيرٌ مِّنْهُمْ فَاسِقُونَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about those before us. That they became victims of time. Meaning they became attached to the dunya. And when that happened, when that happened, their hearts became hard. Why? The scholars have derived from this ayah. That when you become attached to the dunya, the heart becomes hard. Why? Because it's detached from the akhirah. To soften it, you have to attach it to the akhirah. And to do that, you have to detach from the dunya. How? By making your day from beginning to end an act of worship. An ibadah. Thus the topic again today, fitting faith into our busy lives. This is what it's about, O servants of Allah. This is what it's about. Having the correct paradigm in the life that you live. Because Muslims don't live till the grave. They live for beyond the grave.
And this is a fact. Because we, to be a Muslim, you believe in the hereafter. And the hereafter begins with death. The hereafter begins with death. So Allah tells us that they were those, they became a victim of time. They became part and parcel of this dunya. To such an extent that they lived for this dunya. That busy life. That monotonous life. Right? They lived for the dunya. So the hearts became hard. Why? It was detached from the akhirah. وَكَثِيرٌ مِّنْهُمْ فَاسِقُونَ What was the result of it? The majority of them were sinners. This is how, O servants of Allah, may Allah protect us all. We can fast the month of Ramadan and then what? Sin on the day of Eid, the day after. When the heart is not fasting, when it's a bodily effort, may Allah protect us all. And thus Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about them in Surah Al-Baqarah, these people who became victim of time, ثُمَّ قَسَتْ ثُمَّ قَسَتْ Allah says, then their hearts became hardened. And it became like a rock. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala teaches us effectively that you know what? Even a rock has benefit. What is worse? What is more harder than a rock, my dear brothers and fathers? Do you know what's harder than a rock? A hard heart. Allah says, the hearts were like rocks. Oh, ashaddu qaswa. In fact, harder. Harder than, harder than a rock. Why? Wa min al Allah then describes to us the different types of rocks that we have. There's some rocks that split and water comes out from it. And there's some rocks that split and streams flow through it. Is that not a beneficial rock? That's a beneficial rock. Allah is telling us that there's nothing worse than a hard heart. Because even a hard rock has benefit. And Allah says some rocks fall down. They fall down out of the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Subhana rabbi ala. Some rocks do this. So if we worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with our bodies and not our hearts, then this is a dangerous situation. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us all. And that is why when we look at those before us, O servants of Allah and O children of Adam, they used to fuss over their intentions. Fuss over it. I'm not talking about just the lay people of before. I'm talking about the ulama, the giants that walked this earth before us. Those giants who we are only trying to walk on their shoulders, subhanAllah. That is who they were. They used to fuss over intentions and learn about intentions and remind each other about intentions, and revise their knowledge about the intentions. And that is why Sufyan al-Thawri, rahmatullahi alayhi, said, he said, we must fix our intentions. We must fix our intentions. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us this understanding. Ameen, ameen. So this is how it should be. This is how it should be. It should be about fitting our busy life into our faith. Not our faith into our busy life. For we were not created except to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when I talk about fixing it, I'm not saying that, for example, when, when we say die as a Muslim, when we say die as a Muslim, dying as a Muslim is in whose hands? The hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But what are we saying? What does the sharia mean when it says die as a Muslim? What did Yaqub alayhi salam mean when he told his children, Ya baniya inna Allah astafa lakum uddeen. فَلَا تَمُوتُنَّ إِلَّا وَأَنْتُمْ مُسْلِمُونَ What did Yaqub alayhi salam mean when he spoke 
to his children and said that Allah has chosen for you Islam as your religion, thus ensure that you don't die except upon Islam. What did he mean by this? When we know that dying upon Islam is in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he meant do everything in your capacity, in your capacity to die as a Muslim. And this is what I'm saying, O servants of Allah, that do everything in your capacity to ensure that your day from beginning to end is the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Try your best. Fix your intentions. Put your trust in Allah. Make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Have an acute awareness regarding your intentions at every stage of your life. Don't be a person who roams the world without substance, like the disbelievers do. If we behave like them, then what offering do we have? As the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, to the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and to this world that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed us in, a world that Allah placed us in to be those who take from Allah and give to the people. What will we be giving to the people if we live our lives aimlessly like those who have disbelieved? Right? How many of us have an acute attention in the day of what we're doing? I'm talking about an acute attention based on what we've discussed. When they're in their car going to work, when they're at work, when you're studying, when you're revising for your exams, when you're getting married, is that acute intention there? Or an acute awareness regarding your intention present? Is that, is that there? Regarding why you're doing it? Right? Regarding why you're doing it. And to make this clear, I'm going to share with you some examples. We spoke about work, marriage, education, and so on and so forth. How do we make these an act of worship? How does going to the gym, for example, become an ibadah? Imagine somebody says, going to the gym, are you serious? Or as we say in colloquial English, are you kidding me? Going to the gym can be ibadah? Why not? Why not? Why not? Have you not heard the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as is in the hadith of, of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu an, where the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, no one will enter paradise who has an atom's weight of arrogance in his heart. So a man stood up and said, O oh Prophet of Allah, what if a man likes his garments to look nice and his shoes to look nice? Is this, is this going to affect him getting to Jannah? Is this from being arrogant? So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Allah is beautiful and loves beauty. Arrogance is rejecting the truth and looking down on people, right? As is in Sahih Muslim. Have you not heard this hadith? Or did you just hear it and say, MashaAllah, nice hadith? Did you not think about the hadith? That subhanAllah, this hadith is teaching us that having good shoes and wearing nice clothes is an ibadah. It's from the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Subhana rabbi ala'ala. But when? When the intention is right. Is he fitting faith into? A busy life. We're busy shopping. <laughs> How do we make shopping? Ibadah. How do we make it a faithful task? This is how you do it, through the right intention. Have you not heard the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ when he said, That in marital relations with your spouses is a sadaqah. Did you not hear that hadith? It's a sadaqah. And the sahaba, radiallahu anhum ajma'een, in shock, they said to Rasulullah wasallam. أَيَأْتِي أَحَدُنَا شَهْوَتَهُ وَيَكُولُ لَهُ فِيهَا أَجْرُ That a person relieves his desires and in this there is reward. 
Ya Rasulullah, remember I said earlier, are you kidding me? And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Ara'aytum, law wada'aha fi haram, akana alayhi wizr? This is known as qiyas aks, the opposite analogy. For those who are studying usulul fiqh, right? The scholars use this hadith as evidence to substantiate qiyas al-aks. In any case, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to them that what is your view about a person who relieves his desires in the haram way? Is he worthy of sin? So they said yes. So he said in the same way that person is worthy of sin, if they did it in the halal way, it's worthy of rewards. Have we not heard these ahadith, O servants of Allah and O children of Adam? We have. Thus, yes, going to the gym can be ibadah. Building that six-pack can also be an act of ibadah. There's a lot of work to be done for six-packs here, isn't it? Getting married is an ibadah. Going to school is an ibadah. Somebody will say, but going to school, I hate going to school. Well, if you made it an ibadah, you'll stop hate going to school. Imagine our parents wake up in the morning and with our sleepy eyes we say, yes. They say, come on, let's go worship Allah. Instead of saying, get ready for school. How would you feel? Would you say, uh, turn around the other way, blanket, uh, no blankets here, you don't use blankets, it's hot anyway. Huh? We use a sheet maybe, cover ourselves with the sheet and say, give me an hour, wake me up in an hour, I still need an hour sleep. Would you say that? Somebody told you, let's go build Jannah. When we say ibadah, what are we saying? When we worship Allah, we're building Jannah. When we worship Allah, we're making our scale of good deeds heavy on the day of Qiyamah. If somebody woke you up in the morning for school and said, come on, go build your Jannah. Would you not wake up very fast? Would school be hated to you? No, because now it's changed. You have made your life the worship of Allah. You have made your life the construction of your Jannah. You have made your life making your scales of good deeds heavy on the day of Qiyamah. لا إله إلا الله اللهم لك الحمد كما ينبغي لجلال وجهك وعظيم سلطانك Indeed Allah is most deserving of all praise for guiding us to Islam Wallahi, only Muslims can enjoy this How do I make going to the gym an act of worship? By making it for the sake of Allah Do it for the sake of Allah I intend to do it so I am more diligent in my ibadah and I can be healthy as per the instruction of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam following the sunnah. Today we ask people, why are you going to gym? Oh, I need to lose a few pounds. Why are you going to gym? Oh, subhanallah, my results came from the hospital. The cholesterol was off the charts. The doctor said, I can't believe you standing here right now. No, brother. And no, my dear father. Have a more substantial reason for going. That which surpasses the grave. Remember we said, we don't live till the grave, but beyond the grave. If you're going for the cholesterol, you're not rewarded. The benefit is still the grave and you will have nothing in the hereafter for that act. Remember Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said in the hadith of hijrah, فَمَنْ كَانَتْ هِجْرَتُهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ فَهِجْرَتُهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ وَمَنْ كَانَتْ هِجْرَتُهُ إِلَى الدُّنْيَا يُصِيبُهَا أَوْ امْرَأَةً يَنْكِحُهَا فَهِجْرَتُهُ إِلَى مَا هَاجَرَ إِلَيْهِ that a person who went from Mecca to Medina in Hijrah, did the journey for Allah and His Rasul, he will get the rewards of the Hijrah. But the person who did it with the Muslims, but with the intention of marrying someone in Medina, or for some business deal, yes, they would have done the journey. 
But the, that journey is void of rewards. That journey was only to help them till the grave, not beyond. Thus live for beyond the grave, not till the grave. If you go to the gym for fitness, it's only benefit till the grave. You haven't benefited yourself beyond the grave. Allah has given you an amazing potential. As a Muslim, you have an amazing potential. Why are you not using that potential? If I'm going to work to put food on my table, that's only benefit till the grave. But if your intention is, Ya Allah, I'm going to work to earn halal sustenance to feed my family, which is a sadaqah. And I can spend in your path, Ya Allah. Now, going to work doesn't become boring every Monday. You ask, you ask somebody on a Sunday, what's the best day of the week? You say Friday. You say Friday, mashallah, the day of Jumu'ah. Uh, yeah, that also, but I was intending something else. What were you intending? Because the next day is Saturday. Hey, what's the worst day of the week? Sunday. But Sunday is a holiday. Yeah, but the next day is Monday. Right? If you go to work for the right reasons, you will want to work every day of your life. And you will be a person who works with ihsan. Because you're not working for the dunya. You're working for the akhirah. You're working for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the prizes that Allah has set for the one who lives for Allah and dies for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allahu Akbar. May Allah grant us the understanding. How does going to school become an act of worship? Well, it's not an act of worship if I'm going to school for the certificate. So I can get a job. So I can go to university. So that I can become a doctor. Yes, this is part and parcel. It will come. It's a sunnah of Allah that when you do this, something else happens. That's a chain reaction. But what's the reality? You, O servant of Allah, and you, O child of Adam. Why are you doing it? No, I'm going to school to be a person that brings izzah to the ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Because I am intending to be the best doctor. That doctor that every Muslim and non-Muslim is fighting for. That doctor that every intern from the Muslims and the non-Muslims wants to come study with so that they can qualify as a doctor. So that the ummah when they look for the best, they see Muslim names on the list of those who are the best. For the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now what's happened to going to school? Has it become boring? And homework is boring. You'll be the one telling the teacher, give me more homework. You'll be the one telling the teacher, can we come to school on Saturday? You'll be the one telling the teacher, let's have extra lessons. Why? Because when everyone's coming to school for school, you're coming to school for Jannah. Amazing. Amazing. If Jannah is the prize, I mean who... If I told you, Akhil Karim, my dear brother, you know what? I want you to do this task and the prize for it is Jannah. Would you say, let me think about it? Honestly. Would you say, let me think about it? Would you? Again, in plain, pure English. Would you? No. You wouldn't. And if I told you, if you did this act... If you did this act, it will have no benefit for you in the hereafter. In fact, it might be a means of your jahannam. Would you continue with it? Would you? No. Thus, let's fix ourselves, O servants of Allah and O children of Adam. Our pious predecessors before us, as I said, they used to fuss over this niyyah. Sufyan al-Thawri, Sufyan ibn Sa'id al-Thawri, rahmatullahi alayhi, he used to say, He's to say, regarding what we're discussing today, our topic. See, our topic was discussed by the pious predecessors before us, really. 
really. If you just read the correct books, you will see that they discussed it, mashallah. And may Allah bless those who arranged this particular uh, tour and included this particular topic. How Allah inspired them, I need to ask them. What was the inspiration behind this particular topic? But it was discussed. Sufyan al-Thawri, rahmatullahi alayhi, says, it is my happiness, it is my happiness that I have an intention in everything that I do. So that my eating, my sleeping, and everything becomes an act of worship. Because this is how the best of people were nurtured. This is how Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam taught the sahaba and nurtured the sahaba. So he has an intention in his eating. Why am I eating? I'm eating because you know what? This food tastes nice. You know that those meals from Dine More? Superb. <laughs> Mashallah, my lunch was from there. So it's the, it, I'm digesting it. So my mind, that's the first word that came. I was actually telling the brothers that dine more should, should say dine more, the dynamo. <laughs> MashaAllah. <laughs> May Allah bless our Muslim brothers' families' businesses. All, all our Muslim brothers' families' businesses and grant barakah to them. Amin. Right? So, why am I eating? Because it's tasty. No. The pious predecessors before us like Sufyan Thawri would say, I would love for my eating to have a niyyah. Which makes it, which makes my life in this world a life that with every tap that I do on the face of this earth, there's ripples in the hereafter. Imagine living your life this way. You take a step in the dunya, and something moves in the hereafter. You breathe in the dunya, and something moves in the hereafter. Right? Right? Imagine that. Right? Imagine, do you know what I mean? Like if you have a river, you have a river, and some big explosion happens somewhere, far away. Will you not see Ripples happen in the water. It's been affected by the impact of that explosion that happened somewhere else. Imagine living your life in this world. Living your life in this world. Where whatever you do causes ripples to happen in Jannah. Imagine that. This is what Sufyan Thawri is saying. I would love to live my life this way. That I have a niya for everything that I do. Driving my car. You, people complain about traffic in Sri Lanka. And I agree. It's trafficy. It's trafficy. But imagine if your whole work process or going to school process was the worship of Allah. You would love being stuck in traffic. Imagine how you, your whole paradigms change. Wallahi, when a Muslim achieves their potential in terms of living their life the way Rasulullah taught us to live our lives, imagine how happy our lives become. Things which people see as obstacles, we see as opportunity. Our paradigm shift. We cancel the O of obstacle and we bring in the O of opportunity. Somebody says, I'm stuck in traffic. Say, Ya Akhil Kareem, Alhamdulillah. That, that means the longer you're in traffic, imagine how many more rewards you're getting in the hereafter. Imagine how many trees are being built for you in Jannah. Imagine how many streams are being constructed. Because we never got in our car except for the sake of Allah. But if you got in your car for the sake of this dunya, then woe to you. For being stuck in traffic is definitely worthy of your depression. May Allah protect us all. Imam al-Shafi rahmatullahi alayhi in looking after intentions would say I wished we know Imam al-Shafi wrote books and Imam al-Shafi taught and Imam al-Shafi was an imam, a great scholar. Imam al-Shafi wishes wishes that the world learned his ilm without having attributed it to him. Wallahi when we read these things our hair should stand. Honestly. This is who they were. This is who they were. He wished, he goes, I wish this ilm could be taught without being attributed to me. 
That's how they feared. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the understanding. Ameen. Ameen. They never lived their lives for the name and the fame of this world. They never lived their lives till the grave. They never lived their lives as if they were never going to die. They never lived their lives only for this world. Rather, they lived it for the akhirah. Thus, they were humble people in the service of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they were people who fitted their lives in their faith and never needed to ever ask, how do we fit faith into our busy lives? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about them in His book, in Surah Al-Qasas, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, تِلْكَ الدَّارُ الْآخِرَةُ نَجْعَلُهَا لِلَّذِينَ لَا يُرِيدُونَ عُلُوًّا فِي الْأَرْضِ وَلَا فَسَادًا وَالْعَاقِبَةُ لِلْمُتَّقِينَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that akhirah, that dar, the, the abode of the hereafter, that dar has been given to those who lived their lives in this world without wanting name and fame and the masses of this world. They lived in this world for the hereafter. So that hereafter was given to them. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from amongst those that are diligent with the words that we've said today. Those who walk in the footsteps of the great giants that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala caused to walk this earth before us. Ameen. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us work for the sake of Allah. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us study for the sake of Allah. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us look after our families for the sake of Allah. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us look after our health for the sake of Allah. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even make the preparation of our families meals for the sake of Allah. May Allah make us those who live for Him. Thus people who fit their lives into faith. Thus people who fit their, their busy lives into faith and never ever talk about fitting faith into their busy lives. Ameen, Ya Rabbil Alameen. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from being those who are rewarded in this dunya for the work that they did because they only lived in this dunya. Wallahi, my dear brothers, my dear fathers, Allah is just. Allah is just. Allah will always reward us. He will reward us for the good that we do. But if our intention is for this dunya, if our intention is for this dunya, Allah will give us in this dunya. And when we get to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we'll get nothing. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from this. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, مَن كَانَ يُرِيدُ الْحَيَاةَ الدُّنْيَا وَزِينَتَهَا نُوَفِّ إِلَيْهِمْ أَعْمَالَهُمْ فِيهَا وَهُمْ فِيهَا لَا يُبْخَسُونَ Allah says, whoever wants this dunya, Whoever wants this dunya, they want to fit their faith into their busy lives and not the opposite. They want to live for this dunya, they want to die for this dunya. Whoever wants this type of life, We will give them the rewards of their actions, their good deeds in this dunya. And they will not be shortchanged. They will not be shortchanged. But Allah says, for those people, they will have nothing in terms of the hereafter except the hellfire. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in His book, وَقَدِمْنَا إِلَى مَا عَمِلُوا مِنْ عَمَلٍ فَجَعَلْنَاهُ هَبَاءً مَنْثُورًا 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about those who live for this dunya, وَقَدِمْنَا إِلَى مَا عَمِلُوا مِنْ عَمَلٍ We have advanced them, the rewards of the good that they used to do. So when they met Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they thought they were going to find amazing deeds. They thought they were going to find an amazing jannah waiting for them. But they were shocked to see that nothing waited for them in the hereafter except scattered dust. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the understanding and make us people diligent. Make us people diligent. And once again, may Allah make us those who live for Him and die for Him. Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is upon all able. I pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grants us the understanding and that my few words were relevant in terms of making the topic understood. Everything correct said is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and He's perfect. And any mistakes are from myself and shaitan and I seek Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's forgiveness. Ameen. I love you all for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and once again jazakumullah khairan for your attentiveness and for honoring me with your attendance and may Allah bless Masjid Zainab and its trustees really for their invite and doing everything in making sure that my presence here with you today was a reality that we could worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala together. Wallahi, I love to see the ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in different places. And sometimes I love to go to Mecca just to see the ummah from different countries together. And at times Allah blesses me with the opportunity to travel to them and see them in their homelands. May Allah gather us in this dunya many a time before the akhirah. And may Allah gather us underneath His arsh on the day of Qiyamah after we pass away. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gather us in Jannah with Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam where we can sit together and discuss the talk we had in the dunya. One fine evening that inshallah was a means of us doing those acts that got us to Jannah bi'ithnillahi ta'ala. Hada wallahu a'lam wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.